Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss, who's the president of All Metals and Forge Group, the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio, and a host as well. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing great. Doing great. You're a looking good. Chilly, little chilly here at four degrees this morning, but uh, no problem. There you go. Joining us is Norbert Orr. Norbert uh, is our senior international correspondent who covers the Purchasing Managers Index over all of the countries of the world. But we really look at 18, or he looks at 18, plus some U.S. regional surveys. And Norbert, we always appreciate you joining us. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Good to see you guys. You look, you look John Houseman-ish, very comfortable in your easy chair. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what the percentage of people know who John Houseman is. <laughs> yes, we're showing our age. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. You did. <laughs> so, Norbert, how does it look? You know, pick a country, and you know, we're always interested in in uh, Asia and China often because their numbers are interesting. Let's. You put it that way. Yeah. Uh, well, overall, uh, guys, I think we're at one of those points where we are uh, uh, looking at numbers kind of like the old thing about uh, one foot's in boiling water and one foot's in freezing water. On average, you're pretty comfortable. And uh, <laughs> That's kind of where we are right now. Uh, we've got one foot in uh, each each bucket, and uh, so the numbers overall look pretty good. But uh, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that we need to challenge probably in doing that. Uh, the first one that I would challenge is uh, we saw. Uh, a, a large drop off during the month of new orders from most markets. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, there's various reasons for that. Uh, obviously the biggest one is uh, they've either gotten to the point where they can operate more out of inventory than placing new orders. I'm sure at these prices, nobody wants to build inventory but also at these prices, they're afraid not to build inventory. So uh, I think that's a, a real challenge uh, for manufacturers going forward. And it looks to be uh, pretty, uh, pretty much across the board. Let me run down some countries for you. Um, well, do that, Norman, let me just interrupt you for a second and ask your cameraman to tilt your camera down a little bit. So we're there we go. I, I uh, okay. left Get him a tripod. <laughs> there uh, thank you, Tim. Uh, the first one I look at is South Korea. And South Korea has dropped over the last six months to, to uh, it's kind of a ch changed trend to where it's just growing slightly, where it was growing fairly well uh, from that. Uh, we have uh, Canada. Canada is at 56.5. 
not as good as we're doing in the U.S. at 58.7, but Canada tracks very well with uh, the U.S. Uh, usually a couple of points lower, but uh, they thrive on when our market does well, they do well. Uh, Germany is at 57.4. That's the uh, third month in a row that Germany has been in the 57 range. The fourth month was at 58. Then it jumps up. So we've seen a step change in the last six months uh, to where things are not growing as, as quickly as they were for the first half of, uh, uh, of 21. Uh, the Eurozone came in at 58. Uh, and so that means Germany's carrying, Germ Germany usually winds up carrying the Eurozone the way we wind up carrying uh, uh, the uh, uh, North America and uh, this region uh, determines what, what's going to happen uh, for us. Uh, then we look at China. And uh, the CFLP uh, index, which is the China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing, the official government index, came in at 50.3, up from 50.1, next 49.2, down from 49.6. So China uh, seems like they, they never have. Uh, a, a large boom and they never have a big bust, either one. And, and that's uh, a, a difficult, uh, difficult position to be in, but uh, I, I, do, I do often question the numbers coming from China, how well yeah. they're- No doubt, I just, Lou, you look like you're just itching to ask a question here, so. Well, uh, China has been, uh, for the most part, their numbers haven't been believed for decades. So, uh, and they are having their problems, uh, their, their other cultural problems. So it's really, uh, they're, they're, they're a, one of the top three countries in the world, but they're as screwed up as everybody else. So, uh, but I, I was looking at, uh, um, Mexico and uh, Brazil. Uh, I, I like Brazil. I haven't yet made any money with Brazil. We had offices down there and so on, but uh, that, that country is so messed up in terms of uh, politics, corruption, and uh, they have the wherewithal to be a, a great manufacturing resource but uh, they have a hard time getting out of their own way. And Norwegian yeah. flipped a little and bit. I know, we, I know we keep looking for them to do that, but uh, I, I just don't think that the, they can get there politically. Uh, the historical problems and so on, uh, that they're probably getting the best result they can get <laughs> from what they're doing. Yeah. I can think of another large country that may be on the verge of that, but uh, uh, Brazil in particular, I think uh, the, the socio-political atmosphere is one that uh, uh, 
they, they'd rather have a good fist fight uh, than uh, uh, a successful economy. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, a question to ask you regarding the charts, the, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the chart. Thank you. Uh, one of the places that always seems to have extremely good numbers is the ISM Chicago. They're strong. I mean, that, that, that is the center point of our manufacturing right there. And, right. Uh, their numbers are, what is it, 65? Meanwhile, the ISM national number is now down to 57 and change. Right. Um, or 58, I'm not sure which. So what what is the, the, the golden goose in uh, the Chicago ISM report? What states are we talking about? Uh, I think you, you take it and draw a, a circle around Chicago, uh, about 90 miles out, and that's really the, the area for that report. Got it. It's, uh, and I base that on that's where the membership of the Chicago affiliate comes from. Right. So it would be natural that we would figure that out. Uh, the big, the big, big reason, though, uh, is Chicago is 65% manufacturing and 35% services. So I always assume that uh, the services business in Chicago is typically very strong. And so it's pushing that number higher uh, from the services side than from manufacturing. Uh, uh, for a long time, I tried to get them to consider going back to uh, uh, taking services out of it. But once you've gone down the path with an index like this, you negate the power of it if you start playing with it. Got it, got it. Well, it's something that uh, our listeners uh, uh, should read this report and read your uh, uh, graph. Uh, it gives them a good idea where the business is coming from or not coming from. Uh, I've been using these reports for years, and I find them to be tremendously accurate. Yeah, it, it's amazing you can take something so simple and get such good, accurate data that, that uh, really shows and pinpoints where the opportunities are. Uh, the scattergram has been uh, uh, has moved from a very erratic process uh, in in, re in recent uh, years uh, to a uh, a much better predictor because all of the economies are doing about the same thing. Uh, this change this month in the new orders. Uh, we'll see what that, that does. I don't think that's a trend. I think we're going to see uh, that that was an end of the year event. Uh, there's some states that have inventory requirements. And uh, so people could have delayed bringing in 
new orders, et cetera. Uh, but I, I think it, uh, I, I think it'll recover to where new orders comes back. We'll continue to see new orders between 55 and 60, at least through the spring. And uh, then past that, uh, we'll have to see uh, what impact the Fed uh, uh, rate changes has. Uh, that usually is a very uh, uh, slow process to, to see the, that slow down the economy, which is what it's going to do. So uh, we'll continue to follow uh, Chicago closely there. Uh, I, I would call your attention to the UK. Uh, I'm just so impressed. They're, they're still at 57.9, which is very close to where the US is. And uh, the, the UK before that was 58.1, 57.8, Those are just really marvelous numbers uh, coming out of Brexit. Uh, UK has yet to have a bad month following Brexit. So it tells me it was certainly the right thing to do. There's uh, another number that I, I go by to be able to sort of predict the future. And that's the machine tool orders. Right. And they come out, uh, that association comes out two months late every month. Right. But they're predicting what basically is going to be happening in six months. So it's really four months later. And you've got right. a pretty good idea when people are starting to buy tooling for manufacturing, it's a four to six month process to get the goods out the door from the design of the product of the part. Right. That's a number I, I watch uh, very closely. How, how do you relate that to capital spending? Well, if somebody is going to be building tooling to make uh, particular parts and so on, uh, some of those parts are going into capital spending ventures. I couldn't tell you the, the, the percentage of that, but tooling in general really encompasses many different industries from aerospace to marine to oil and gas. And, you know, it, it encompasses a very broad sector of manufacturing. Right. And the offset uh, in, in manufacturing is if they are buying additional tooling, if they are uh, uh, making capital investments, uh, uh, that means they feel good about the economy. Right. And so uh, that's a big positive as far as I'm concerned, because uh, I look at uh, tooling is a, uh, a piece of capital investment, but uh, there's a whole lot more to it, obviously, than just the, the tool that, uh, where people are investing, particularly right now. Just one other point with regards to that, because we didn't mention it. I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but they are four months in a row beating each month for the last four months. And it's, it's like in the 60s. It's a right. terrific number. So 
feel good about what's coming in four or five months. Right. And uh, I think the, the, uh, uh, the, the message there is profitability is good. You know, we, we don't ask about profits in any of our questions globally, but the reality is that uh, for capital spending to be good, profitability, you know, I look at it, I see things like advertising, companies that you don't typically see advertising, if business is good and uh, they've got uh, profits, they, they wind up uh, investing in advertising and markets that they wouldn't have touched otherwise. Uh, but it's the same thing with all of capital investment. It's encouraging people to take part, part of the profits that they're making and reinvest it in their markets. Norbert, I found the scattergram particularly interesting this month and unusual because it showed a clustering towards the center. There's four quadrants, and of course, there's a center point of those four quadrants. And as I looked at it from prior months and this month, it looked like all of the uh, starlings were headed to the same landing spot, other than a few outliers. Right. And, and that's true. Uh, it it kind of looks like, uh, I always think of it in terms of, I used to uh, shoot a, a bow and arrow a good bit. And it, it looks uh, like I liked the target to look. Everything clustered toward the center. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think that's, that's a, a real positive. And what we now need to watch for, Tim, is that that starts to disperse. And there'll be some stronger winners and stronger losers that'll surface from that. And they'll be able to pick those industries and those countries. No, no, I think the biggest unknown here, and we'll have to see how in our country, the Fed manages it and the other countries will do whatever they do, is inflation. And I think that's the only headwind other than the things that have been dragging along, for instance, labor, but manufacturing is still manufacturing despite labor issues. Well, manufacturing, I think, has dealt with the, the, the shortage of labor better than most other sectors uh, because manufacturing jobs tend to be good jobs long term if you get one of them. And so I, I, I think. Uh, uh, you know, we, we want we want to see uh, the services sector expand because it's so much larger than manufacturing, but still man, manufacturing uh, shows more about where the economy really is than uh, say services, for example. Lou and I have always had that discussion that, that manufacturing really is the leading indicator. And if it's expanding, things are going well. And if they're starting to uh, reduce their head count. Uh, they're looking out nine months, their order books are lean, they're cutting back staff and it's gonna go south. Yeah, and the other thing, you, you know, we, we always assume that the trend is gonna continue. And uh, for instance, this morning, uh, they announced that Intel is going to build uh, a, or put a $40 billion investment in Ohio for a new chip factory or chip, 
wafer factory. Right. And uh, so we see this investment starting to come back to the U.S. We see what Tesla is doing. We see uh, we, we, we tend to uh, forget that people change their mind on things. And uh, in Wisconsin, we've got the largest electronics plant in the world now. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of positives that can be added to this that, that might, might help. Uh, I'm still worried about the inflation picture because inflation gets baked into all of this. And once you get it baked in, it's hard to get it out. Uh, one other uh, organization that uh, uh, is looking to take advantage of the uh, reshoring attempts uh, within the steel industry. Uh, Nucor just announced that they're building a three and a half billion dollar new mill in, um, I'm not sure which state, it's either South Carolina or North Carolina. If it's new core, it would probably be uh, South Carolina. I lived uh, for a number of years, about 20 miles from that plant. Well, they're adding three and a half billion dollars of capital spending on it. That's significant. And certainly, you know, Norbert, to your point uh, about Intel's announcement, I see that Texas Instruments announced that they're going to either expand or build a foundry. The big three U.S. automakers are now going to probably either source or control the source of their chips, perhaps domestically. Right. They, they don't want to get caught short again. This is really bitten into their bottom line. Well, you know, I, I always relate back to uh, when, when I got into the supply chain work and so on, I, I learned that continuity of supply was the most important thing for a manufacturer. Then secondly, uh, price. And then thirdly, quality. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, secondly, quality and thirdly, price. Uh, that you have to have the best combination of those in order to stay in business. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing a lot of now is continuity of supply with what people have experienced offshoring, continuity of supply is once again, the most important thing. Yeah, I think they were chasing uh, pennies with you know, less expensive labor, less expensive cost of raw materials. Uh, and that worked well for a lot of years. It worked well for several decades, but now with the pandemic, it has really crippled production. One thing I'd like you to touch on, and this may not be your area of expertise, Norbert, but I know you've got a feel for it, the empty store shelves. I'm a bit befuddled by why. Is this a labor issue and those manufacturers, even in the United States, suddenly can't produce a box of cereal? What's the issue? Uh Tim, I, I think it's as simple as everything uh, got out of whack when people had to shut down facilities and they didn't know how long they were shutting them down for. They didn't know whether they should try to uh, run the raw materials that they had on, 
uh, on Facebook. Uh, so happened, I made a trip to the uh, grocery store with my wife uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we were looking at breakfast cereals uh, and, one, and breakfast cereals in particular, Rice Krispie Treats, because uh, she makes uh, treats out of it uh, for the grandchildren. And Rice Krispie Treats were the only cereal that was out of stock. And we went to four different stores and they were the only ones out of stock at all four stores. So something in the supply chain, either lack of personnel or uh, so, something caused them more problems than others. And, and I think that's what you'd find is there were little snags here and there. That individually, they're not much, but collectively, uh, a big, big difference. Being that we're talking about supermarkets, which I don't go to, <laughs> but, but my, I, I do have a, a favorite delicacy that we always have in the house, and that's creamed herring with chopped onions, made okay. by one of the biggest of their type, and I won't mention their name, but everybody knows it. And my wife used to buy the big jars, and she would buy two or three of them. For the last seven, eight months, she can't get the big jars. She can only get the little jars. Now, the, the stock is filled. They, they got all kinds of fish floating around there, those white jars with the cream sauce. I believe that some of this is created because the little jars cost retail price costs more on a per ounce basis than right. the big jars. And I maintain that they, if they could get the little jars, I'll bet you they can get the big jars, but they may be taking advantage. I rest that my case. Will, that may well be the case. Uh, I, I would uh, probably defend their honor a little bit and say they're trying to work through uh, obviously, you want you want to run product with the highest margin, right? If if you have to pick, if you, if you if you have a, a full array of products, you, you're going to want to uh, try to get as much margin out of it as possible. And I, I don't see that as greedy. I see that as very practical. Oh, for, absolutely! For, They're trying to make up for what they lost over the last year and a half. The, those, those Rice Krispie treats went to over $7 a box if you put the quantity in. It normally sells for about $3 and a half, but it was $7 a, a box on the same volume that was coming through that. So uh, They'd have to pay have to, more than that to eat Rice Krispies. Right. <laughs> have to make the choice. So I'm astonished when I go to the store, particularly a large box store that's in many neighborhoods, about the number of products that are not on the shelves. And I look at those and say, I don't think they're coming in on a boat from China. Most of those suppliers, those manufacturers are in the U.S. Uh, right. I realize there are truck shortages and driver shortages, but is it really to that extreme? 
that we have vast quantities of goods not on the shelves. So I don't really know what's causing it, Lou. You could be right. They're get, trying to make the best margin they can make uh, and, and watch prices walk up. Certainly that's a, uh, a retailer's greatest concern is if I raise prices by a nickel, my customers go to the other store, but Norbert, your cereal is doubled and you're still looking at the same store. So I'm kind of leaning into loose camp on this one. <laughs> right. But it's, it's an interesting situation. Uh, I know that I'm always curious about inflation, the way they measure it, and they exclude food and fuel and presume that the, that the American consumer is stupid. And so whatever uh, inflation number they come up with is tamped down because they exclude the two biggest inflation areas and they can sell us on, you know, it's not horrible. It's a little high, but it's not horrible. If they'd have put those two in, the inflation would have been double the number. You're right. Close to 15 and 15%. Well, that's what makes the supply chain so interesting for those of us involved in it. There's always a new story each month, and certainly uh, the, the story this month adds uh, probably more confusion than anything else. <laughs> I don't mind being confused as long as the backlog numbers are good. <laughs> uh, we, we, we should uh, remember that, Lou. Okay. Well, Norbert, we appreciate you joining us and sharing this information with our listeners. Uh, we also have it in our Manufacturing Outlook easing, which is about to be published digitally. And you can find it at manufacturingoutlook.com. We encourage you to go and read it. And Norbert, as always, thanks for joining. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, Norbert. Be well. Yeah. Always report, Lou. It's an interesting discussion with Norbert. Uh, he touches on a lot of places that most people don't look at as they look because they're not focused globally. They're focused, as uh, politicians would say, locally. All politics is local. All manufacturing is local. That's what they say. That's what they say. So, all righty, Tim, we'll be talking to you. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.